can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. My, 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 my music hit me so hard. Makes me say, oh my Lord, thank you for blessing me. What am I doing? Hey everybody, welcome to Stop Homer Time. It's a podcast within a podcast, which is the Overdue Podcast. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And Overdue is a podcast about the books you mean to read, but we're talking about The Odyssey by Homer? And translated by Emily Wilson into the King's English. Into, yes, the Lord's um, English. We're, um, you know, it's we're getting toward the end of that, that long road. Our own Odyssey is coming to a close before too long yes it's been the lonely road the only road that i've ever known but we are yeah. here in mm. ithaca now um mm. and we are about to talk about books 20 and 21 uh andrew anything from books 18 and 19 that you can remember off the top of your dome i mean those books they kind of <laughs> run together with these yeah, they do, for they me do. because because it is mostly like I'm Odysseus, I'm home, I'm doing recon. I've decided everyone's going to die already, but I just need to know like who's worst, basically. Yeah. And I also need to suss out among mostly my male servants who is good and who is bad. Yes. Book um, book 18, as you might recall, was called Two Beggars. Uh, there was a bum fight. And people there was a bum fight. There was a bum fight. People uploaded it to Greek YouTube. Oh my God, people threw stuff at Beggar Odysseus, um, and Pe- Beggar Odysseus broke another actual beggar's jaw. Yes, and Penelope was like, "Hey, I'm going to marry one of these idiots soon." Um, in book nineteen, uh, the be- the queen and the beggar, uh, Odysseus. Like, makes up another story about who he is when he's talking to Penelope. See, maybe that's why I can't do a really good recap of <laughs> of these, because at this point when Odysseus is like, oh, yeah, I'm a guy from Crete and blah, 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 and he's just lying, I'm yes. like, man, just we, wake me up I know. when you're done. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm good. She offers to give him, like, a sweet bed, and he says no. He does then get a foot bath from Eurycleia. And like has her touch his knee so that she yeah. knows that it's him. She feels his scar, which is isn't it closer to his ankle? I thought maybe it was on his thigh. I think it's a no, it's an ankle thing. I don't think it's his ankle. You uploaded a picture to our uh, our own Twitter account that shows that's just it on when his she ankle, was washing I him. I think in the text it's like his just like up his leg. I don't think I know. I'm I know the goof I made. Yeah, in that painting. Uh huh. Um, let me look at the trans. But any, anyhow, okay. She does. She is bathing him, and he's like, "Oh no, she's gonna feel my scar." Then he threatens her within an inch of her life not to reveal that he is home, but she knows. Yes, yes. Um, and that's that's pretty much the thing is he's just like casually lying to his wife and threatening a servant yes and what a good guy i can't wait for him to come home and penelope uh does lay out that there is going to be an archery contest tomorrow and that is how she will decide who she marries um that is laid out at the end of book 19 which i did not mm-hmm. remember yeah um so book 20 the last banquet ever <laughs> i suppose <laughs> uh which opens odysseus is like sleeping outside a room like on the porch 
and the first thing he sees is like a bunch of slave women who have been sleeping with the suitors and it makes him really mad but he doesn't do anything about it just yet yeah because he's he's already kind of decided in an earlier book that he is going to deal with the slave women after the fact like they can it's not important that they that all the slaves pay for their in, intransigence at this point it's a thing he can take care of later yes he does like talk himself down um and then i made i point i <laughs> made a note of the quote uh his heart held firm and constant but he writhed around as when a man rotates a sausage full of fat and blood <laughs> it's really appetizing so he's like on his own porch rolling around like an angry sausage um, well like metaphorically and then that follows <laughs> sure. a another section where he's actually talking to his own heart his heart is um his yeah his heart is is beating at the sight uh, of these like so his his yeah. heart growled inside him he was shocked at their behavior he slapped his chest and told himself be strong my heart you were hounded by worse the day the cyclops ate your strong companions but you kept your nerve till cunning saved you from the cave you thought that you would die there so his heart held firm and constant, but he writhed around. Yeah, there you go into the sausage. So he's blood. A, so he's an angry blood sausage, but he's also like exhibiting nerves. I don't think that the slave women would get to him as much, and we'll probably come back to them in a later book. But I don't think that they would get to him as much if he weren't starting to feel some nerves about the big game, um, the big suitor death game that he has mm-hmm. planned. Suitor bowl, suitor bowl <laughs> coming up. Uh, you can't say that. You have to say the big game. <laughs> you have to say the big game. Sorry. Um, and he's like, he can't sleep. And Athena shows up and is like, listen, you're going to be fine. Don't worry. Um, I'm a god. Don't forget. And if it were going to go bad, like I would keep you safe and you would get away. So yeah. don't worry. Um, and then Penelope has a moment where she is like worried And I did not know that this scene, I did not remember this scene at all, where she is Mm -hmm. praying to Artemis to kill her so that she does not have to go through with this. Yeah, everybody's got a cold feet here at the (laughs) at the end of things. Yes. And so you you mentioned before we started recording that these books are pretty short and they don't have a lot of extraneous story stuff in them. But I think part of part of why they're short and they flow quickly is all the story is sort of built into these metaphors and these little lamentations. Like you get this whole thing about Artemis and and archers in the thing with, uh, with Penelope, you get these little metaphors with Odysseus. You get these, I don't know, like these, these signifiers of Odysseus and Athena's relationship when they're talking to each other. There's just like a lot of context and story sort of baked into these little bits. Yeah, we are also, we aren't meeting as many new people in these chapters. And that's right, usually and yeah, when like the, you meet a new person and then all of a sudden you find yourself telling three stories as all a way of a sudden, to know them. In, in the middle of a book, like Odysseus <laughs> is... is spending eight pages telling somebody else about some stuff that never happened yeah she does like say the reason she wants to like be killed by an arrow which of course you're right is like relevant to the to the archery contest coming up is that she doesn't want to make a lesser husband glad i think is the quote yeah and i just made a note like what in the book what in the story is there any flashback where they're like in a good time like together i don't think we i think the 
the book has refused to give us an image of them like together happy other than just knowing when they're like when Odysseus is near her he's upset and when she is talking about him she's upset and like Telemachus thinks his dad must have been cool yeah you you never really get uh like if this were a modern day prestige drama you would have either one whole episode that took place in the past or a series of Dick Whitman flashbacks yes. throughout the first season <laughs> that sure. tell you about how happy they were in the before times and oh she's pregnant with Telemachus and here's this little baby and here's this young cool dog who will never die. <laughs> <laughs> well and so like it's I the reason I was thinking about that is that as we just said this is a this is a story that contains many little stories in it that are often mm-hmm. used to tell people like it's used to show how good characters are or how bad characters are or why things happen to them. And I don't think we really get one of like why they love each other or care for each other. I um, mean, it's pretty obvious that Odysseus is just a great guy and he's obvious. very strong You're right. and he's good at eating and <laughs> sports true. and fighting and stuff, even though he apparently left his bow at home when he went off to go to well, war, a, which I was a little surprised. We're going to talk by. about why he did that. Um, but yeah, he is just he's the best. Sorry, I forgot. But yeah, I, I think forgot. It, I think it's I think it's meant to be pretty self evident that <laughs> you, you'd be you should be so lucky as to be married to Odysseus. <laughs> it's true. I don't know why you're looking for some like evidence that they were happy. He's so great. All of his worst qualities would only come through when he was on some terrible voyage and he just let all of his men make terrible decisions. That's mm, the, yeah. he was never doing that at home. You know, yeah. he's outside of his element. Um, <laughs> so he prays to Zeus. For a sign that the big game is going to go well in his favor. And like he praises like Tim Tebow. Yes, he does a Tebow. He gets down in the end zone. And instantly Zeus is like, clap, boom, you're going to have a good day. And just to drive it home, there is a shot of one of the slave women like preparing food. And even she hears the thunderclap and is like, oh, thank God, maybe Zeus is going to kill these guys and like make it so this or make this marriage happen so we can stop feeding 100 suitors a day, please. Um, and I, th- I was thinking these like these this triptych of shots of like him talking to Athena, Penelope talking to Artemis, and then this like Zeus thunderclap moment of like, hey, the gods are, are going to they're going to be involved in this sequence. Like it's not just. Like a lot of the book is like, hey, you got to be humble in front of these gods. We we need them to help us out. Yeah. Um, there was a thing that I wanted to read. Um, is it is it book 20 or 21 where where Odysseus is kind of in the room with the suitors and Athena is doing stuff? Like to mess with the that is heads book or like with twenty one, I believe, because she okay. is. Uh, well, we can get there pretty quickly, actually, um, because the main thing, the other thing that, oh no, you're right, you're right, that does happen in this book, um, because quickly, yeah, this is the, it's the last, yeah, the last banquet ends with this trippy sequence where Odys- where Athena's doing this thing, so yeah, uh, again. Starting when Odysseus got home, we started getting all this very serious foreshadowing that like, yeah, everyone's going to die. It's going to end up fine. Yes, very much so. But the story like nevertheless continues. (laughs) And a lot of the players in the story, like especially the gods, especially Athena, 
are doing things to like make sure that everything happens the way it's supposed to, I guess. Yes. So Athena does a couple things in this book that I thought were noteworthy. One is that she basically like eggs the suitors on to uh to like torment Odysseus an extra lot. Uh, but but still, Athena would not let the suitors refrain from hurtful insults and abuse. So even deeper bitterness would sink into the heart of great Odysseus. Yeah. So she's just, she's just making sure that he's good and mad. He's good and ready to kill some people. Yeah, and it's kind of the thing I made a note about that that was kind of weird because, like, if she has to be this directly involved to make sure the, the events go as planned, like... Why has all of this taken so long? Like, what is the lesson? Yeah, like the thing that seems to be getting the most attention, I guess, from from Homer and from Athena is, I she she seems to want to make sure that the less bad suitors don't like get off. That's easily. yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. It's a thing that the book has paid a lot of attention to. Like there, there are some people like they're the they're the worst of the suitors, and there's the the ringleader whose name is escaping me at the moment. Antinous. Antinous. Yeah. Um, like he, it is a foregone conclusion that he will die. Yes, but it's about but every yeah. once in a while you get a suitor who's like, well, maybe we shouldn't like throw hooves at this beggar's head. <laughs> <laughs> and what I think Athena is trying to do is just make sure like, no, they all came. They ate all this stuff. They did all this stuff. No half measures. Kill them all. Yes, that's true. Um, um, and we've gotten a couple of couple things like that in in earlier books. But yeah, I think by just like keeping odysseus mad she is continuing to to make sure that you know he doesn't stop before she's ready for him to stop or before everybody gets the punishment that is that they have called upon themselves from the gods yeah that's a good point big jerks yeah well because if he is a good guy if he is a guy who you know treats his servants and slaves well and is kind of cunning and willing to understand where people come from like he has certainly like done people dirty in the past but maybe he would be willing to cut some people some slack and athena Mm -hmm. seems not interested in that um she does give him like a moment to recruit recruit like philoitius i believe his name is um who is uh yeah that's the that's the name that's a pronunciation i looked up in the back of the book um, and so we've collected them all. We have Eumaeus, our beautiful pig boy. Yes. We have um, the goat herd, who's a big jerk. Yes, correct. And then now we've got our cow herd. We've got all the animals. We've collected all the herds. Correct. Um, and Philoetius is also good. Yes, he's a good guy. He hates the suitors. One of the reasons he hates them is, quote, they do not care about the boy, meaning Telemachus, or tremble at the eyes of watchful gods. So again... You gotta be humble in front of these gods, or they're gonna like take they're gonna take charge of Odysseus's life so that he comes back a decade later and kills all of you. Yeah, it's like it's interesting to think about. Like Odysseus is both an object of the gods' like punishment and disdain himself, and he's like a tool for them. Yeah, like he's an instrument of destruction for Zeus, who is just like clap yep. on time for violence. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and sending birds everywhere that's and true whatever. yeah and, so like yeah. just before that scene where you were saying athena riles them all up um they are like maybe whispering to each other that they're gonna kill telemachus and they look outside and there's an eagle like eating a dove 
And and Tinnuus is like, well, we can't kill Telemachus, guys. Uh, there's an <laughs> omen outside. Can't you see? Um, let's have a big eat, a big feast. And that's mm-hmm. when they they all start treating Odysseus bad and freaking out Telemachus. One dude refers to Odysseus as Telemachus's many-minded father, which I think is supposed to be a dig. It mm-hmm. felt like a dig. Mm-hmm. And Telemachus gets all mad at them and yells a lot, and they start laughing at him until they cry. Yeah, so this is this is kind of how the last banquet ends, ends just about. Um, so Athena gets in here again. Athena turned the suitors' minds. They laughed unstoppably. They cackled, and they lost control of their own faces. Plates of meat began to drip with blood. Their eyes were full of tears, and they began to wail in grief. Sure. So this this is sort of reminiscent of um, when Odysseus and his last boys eat uh, the Helios cows. Oh, sure, and they all go and mad. They start yeah. to they well, and they start to like moo on the spit because you done messed up, boys. <laughs> you did a bad one, guys. Um, and then what's his name? Theoclimenus has like an omen. Yeah, the the prophet. Yes, guy. yes. Uh, of like a rooms, he basically like sees spoilers for the red wedding. And what awful thing is happening to you? Your faces, heads, and bodies are wrapped up in night. Your screams are blazing out like fire. The ornate palace ceilings and the walls are spattered with your blood. The porch is full of ghosts, as is the courtyard. Ghosts descending into the death of Erebus. The sun has vanished from the sky, and gloomy mist is all around. At these words, they all laughed. Eurymachus spoke up. This new arrival has lost his mind. Quick fellows, throw him out. Make him go to the marketplace. He thinks it is like night in here. So the suitors obviously are not hip to what is happening. Nope, not at all. Uh, so that's the end of book 20. Yes. And then and then book book 21 is... Um, an archery contest. An archery contest. So they're setting up for the archery contest. And Athena, um, like, yeah. again... Drops in, puts a little uh, a little thought into Penelope's eye to set up this like late season bachelor contest, um, <laughs> where they are going to shoot an arrow through twelve of Odysseus's axes using this sweet bow from his friend Phidias. I don't. I didn't really like clock that story. They were in Messania and like they needed to go get some cows back or something. Do you recall that story? No, I don't. Yeah, it kind of breezes by because at this point in the book, it's like we got people to kill. <laughs> well, it's just everything has to have its own story. Yes. And I, the only the note I made was if this bow is so great, why did Odysseus leave it at home when he went off to war to kill all these guys? Well, <laughs> it seems like it might have been helpful to have a bow with you. Like maybe he has multiple bows. He's a king. Like he's he could have as many bows as he wants. The but... reason he did not take it was that a fittest died before the the war in troy and presumably they would have both gone to troy and they would have shown up and been like oh you brought that spear i gave you oh you brought that bow i gave you cool 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 but yeah, he did such a good friend he didn't want to bring his dead friend's bow so he left it behind and i guess mm-hmm. penelope was keeping it in a cool closet um okay, great i did you okay i had to read uh wilson's note in the back of the book to finally understand what shooting it through axes meant did you understand what that meant yeah well i mean i just picked up through context that 
they're they've got to be basically like these these wooden targets or like constructs right that the arrow has to go through is that right it's, it's the axe heads so apparently and they is it like actual metal axe yes heads? so she sets up the iron axe heads he has bronze and iron ones but she picks the iron ones and they're not attached i think the presence of all these different kinds of metals is part of why nobody knows when <laughs> or by whom this book was written <laughs> well yeah that's true because it actually um Homer is often writing about stuff that is of a different era than the metals that people used. That's the whole thing in the Iliad. Um, right. The so what they did apparently this is what Wilson thinks is they like made a big dirt mound inside <laughs> and put the axe heads on it without the handles in the axe heads, so mm-hmm. you could shoot an arrow through the hole where the like handle would go. Oh, is that what that is? So it's more of a, I guess I had assumed it was more of a strength thing, but it's really more of an aiming thing. It's an thing. aiming thing, but because the bow is so like strong and dope, like you have to have a true aim and you have to be strong enough to like make it shoot all the way through all 12 axes. Right. And then the, the first, I guess there are two aspects of this challenge. The first is stringing the bow in the first place Correct. because it's so big and there's so much tension. And then the second is actually shooting it through the axis. And if I'm like, if I'm not wrong, like none of the suitors even get to the point where they can string it. Correct. Um, that is true. One of the less bad suitors is a uh, Leodes mm-hmm. or Laodes, their holy man who always sat in the farthest corner by the wine bowl. He was the only one who disapproved of all their bullying. Laodes, you could have got out. <laughs> you could have got out, Laodes. He grasped the bow and stood astride the threshold, and he tried to string it, but he failed. His hands were soft, untrained by labor, and he grew worn out trying to pull it back. He told the suitors, my friends, I cannot do it. Someone else should have a turn. This bow will take away courage, life force, and energy from many noble young men, but better we should die than live and lose the goal for which we gather in this house every day. Each man still hopes for marriage with Odysseus's wife, Penelope, but if one tries and fails to string the bow, let him go use his wealth to court some other fine, well-dressed Greek lady, and after that, Penelope will marry whichever man can bring most gifts for her, the man whom fate has chosen. So there's that area, and then there's another one where um, Antinous says, no one should shoot a bow today. It is a feast day for Apollo. We should sit calmly and leave the axe head standing there. No one will come and take them. Let the boy pour wine so we can drink offerings and leave the bow for now. All these guys are like, well, we can't string it, but like, let's just leave it for now. It's not a big deal. Don't worry. But like, they all try to wuss out of it after they get this contest. Well, <laughs> and Antinous has the, also, the other plan where it's like, okay, we're going to light a fire and just hey melantheus set the bow up next to the fire so it gets all heated up and we're gonna rub some animal grease on it uh after we try to make it yeah easier to string yes after we like cook it and it expands and stuff but also yes he's like well it's a holiday we can't um (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) um just (laughs) just before that happens odysseus does like go outside and reveals himself to Eumaeus and Philoetius. Philoetius. I I'd forgotten. I think it is Philoetius, but I I'd forgotten that he hadn't revealed himself to Eumaeus. That was before. surprising like, to because me too. Yes, Telemachus had like Telemachus met him at Eumaeus's like house. Yes, and he revealed himself to Telemachus. So because we read this like three months ago, <laughs> I guess I must have forgotten that. 
they went like outside and, or something. And he like he shows them a sweet scar, and then he. But that's the that's the point of the like the testing of Eumaeus, and then the very shorthand like testing of. Feloisius is he doesn't want to know if you're loyal if you know that he's standing in front of you yes. like that's not that's not helpful to him um, I think he's like help me and you won't be slaves basically he says they'll be brothers to Telemachus yeah um, so he's going to treat yeah, them so really good that's after he reveals himself yes. so he like really last minute tests Feloisius Feloisius is like man if Odysseus was here he would know how good I am at fighting for him <laughs> and so Odysseus is like all right you've passed my test <laughs> Look at my scar. <laughs> and, he, and he comes up with a plan where he's like, okay, uh, at some point, give me the bow when the suitors are, like, bad at it. And then get the women out of here. Lock all the gates. <laughs> my God. A bunch of people are going to die. Well, like, lock the women up and then tell them if they hear a bunch of, like, <laughs> fighting and screaming not to come out and to keep working on whatever yes. it is that they're doing. It's really wild. <laughs> um, and then, so as we said, Atinuous is like, oh, it's a it's a holiday. You know, can't shoot bows on a bank holiday, I suppose. Um, and then... It's Earth Day. Yeah, it's Earth Day. We don't we shoot We can't arrows. shoot a bow on Earth Day. And then uh, Odysseus... The Lord of Lies steps up, um, still dressed as a beggar. Every once in a while, you get an epithet that refers to his duplicitousness without making it flattering. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, <laughs> how in this guy's corner are we supposed to be exactly well, as his audience? remember all, you know, we talked about that with whenever he was on those, like, adventures with his bros. And we were like, dude, you suck. Like you are not a like capital you are not a capital H hero. Like you have a bunch of flaws. And I guess we're supposed to feel for you and identify with you and whatever, but I don't think we're supposed to like think you're Spider-Man or whatever. Yeah, cuz cuz we're in we're in this mythology where even the gods are clearly like petty and flawed. Correct. So I I don't know Yes, that's true. I think Odysseus is supposed to be like viewed through a similar lens, but it's just it's just kind of funny how He's on a pedestal at one moment, like getting covered in oil and yes. just praised to to Olympus. And then the next scene is like Odysseus, the Lord of Lies, uh-huh. um, beat up a, a <laughs> beggar man and broke his jaw. Uh, he steps up and he's like, hey, since you guys are like taking a break and tomorrow you're going to do this and like get married or whatever, can I try? Uh, and Antinous' first reaction is, you're drunk. <laughs> Stop it. You've had too much wine. Uh, wine is so powerful, it caused some centaur to get killed. And there's like a story about humans killing centaurs because of and, wine. And that is why, to this day, humans and centaurs do not get <laughs> That's along. That's true. <laughs> uh, and That's not a goof that I'm doing. That is what the book correct. says. <laughs> um, and Penelope is like, hey, yeah, he totally should get a try. Like, why not? Let him go for it. And Eurymachus, in peak male fragility, oh Eurymachus says, shrewd Penelope, it is indeed unlikely that this man would marry you. But we would feel ashamed if some rude person said, those men are weak. They court a fighter's wife but cannot string his bow. Some random beggar has shown up and strung it easily and shot right through all of the axes. They will talk like that and we will be humiliated. My God, I love this passage so much. 
It's so good. This book rules. <laughs> it does rule. When and so I'm trying to figure out like my relationship to it in like high school and in college when I had to read it was let me like I read it the first time for real. Oh gosh, you're better than me. Yeah. Tra- I don't remember which translation I read, but then after that I just started reading the Cliffs notes because I just like I need to know which of the things that you talk about when you talk about these books that we will talk about in class. Like that's literally all I need to know. It's not important that I read the thing again. And so like, maybe it's the translation, maybe it's the pace that we're taking at where I have to devote 45 minutes to this every month and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I am having so much more fun than I did. I wonder too. Last time I read this. I wonder too if, uh, so it's a combination of the, I think the pace helps a lot. And I think divorced from testing and needing to remember like plot points that you'll like, that you'll get quizzed on or, or things like that. Um, And also, there's a communal aspect to what you and I are doing that is like in probably inherently closer to the oral history mode of it than like the classroom mode of it, where it's like it's a communal story that we are sharing and talking about and reminiscing together that the muse, you know, whatever the the muse or the poet or whoever is is doing it in your town who's doing the Homer today. Oh yeah, like I I bet after the the bard gets off the stage or whatever, you turn to your bowl of wine or whatever and you start talking about like other times that you heard that part of the Odyssey yes. and oh this guy, he told it this way and it was the wildest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> and so yeah, he we're like, all the talking about notes. it <laughs> in a in a casual way and kind of goofing on it a little bit because I think there is a there is a goof vein in here like an intentionally funny vein in here that you definitely don't talk about in class but like me as a as a 20 year old in a college class where I am really consciously trying to raise my hand and say something obvious early so that I am not called on later when nobody wants to raise their hand yep. and you, like you you don't want to get caught off off guard in that in that moment like i i don't know it's just i'm not anxious about it the translation is good i think that because wilson she made a conscious effort not to increase the total number of lines in the story yeah, when she translated yeah. it. like this this is the same number of lines as the original greek i think it just helps it flow flow better yep. flow faster yep Totally, totally. Um, speaking of like funny bits that happen, it's both funny and kind of rough. After this peak male fragility moment, um, Penelope tries to respond, and then Telemachus is like, No, mom, go to bed. <laughs> the bow is work for men, especially me. I am the power, the one with power in this house. And she was amazed and went back to her room, taking to heart her son's assertive words. And then she goes to her room and cries. And, and Athena lets her go to sleep. And she's, like, taking her women slaves with her and whatnot. Um, which is, like, again, the suddenness of it is very funny. And the reality of, like, hey, woman who everyone in, is in this house for, get out of here. It's not your business. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny that Telemachus... I think is is pretty clearly in a lot of these passages trying to 
not only is he trying to prove himself a man in the face of Greek mm-hmm, society, mm-hmm. which is why he went on the little journey at the beginning of the book in the first place, but also his dad is here yes. and he wants to impress dad. Yes, he's like tr- and not checking in with him. He's just doing stuff. Yeah, and it just it sucks that the fastest way for him to prove what a powerful masculine man he is is i i guess partly to yell at the suitors but also just to yell at his mom and, he, and he's trying to get and her to be the head of the house and, in that in that way and it's a yeah. weird thing too where because like he is protecting her like he's getting her out of the room before they kill all these dudes but he has to do it in this like really crappy way like it's not he can't just it sucks that odysseus does not feel like he could have revealed himself to her by now that blows yeah. for whatever I, I mean, reason that is. I don't know why. You could one could argue if one were being charitable that Telemachus has to be this forceful with Penelope because for anything less than the the head of the house asserting himself, the suitors might not let her leave. Correct. Because, okay. Sure. Because she's what they're all there for. I think I am. That is probably on the charitable side yeah. of, of viewpoints that you could have, but I don't think it's I don't think it's totally out of bounds. No, I don't think it's it's totally unsupported. And it's by part the of the plan. Like he is executing the plan. So I I don't think in that moment he is being any more of a of a jerk to her than he planned to be. Um, which is a weird thing to say, but say la vie. <laughs> um listen when you are this age sometimes you plan to be a jerk to yeah your that's mom. well that's true <laughs> it just I, that's happens. just team boys um so then he while this is happening Eumaeus goes and picks up the bow and the suitors call him a dirty pig man they call him a dirty pig man and we had settled on hogsmith in an earlier episode <laughs> and i think that still is the canonical term but dirty pig man <laughs> Has a ring to it. Well, and they call him a dirty pig man, and then Telemachus says, No, Grandpa, keep on going. Keep carrying the bow. (laughs) (laughs) And so he is carrying the bow to Odysseus, and the suitors all think it's really dumb. Though I am younger than you, I am stronger. Watch out, or I will chase you to the fields, pelting your back with stones. (laughs) This like... You who shall be as a brother to me. (laughs) This heel turn from Telemachus is really bizarre. (laughs) Um, And so, like, Eumaeus drops the bow with Odysseus, runs and grabs the nanny Eurycleia, and is like, listen, go upstairs, lock the doors. If you hear screaming, stay in there. Don't come out. (laughs) Um, And Philoetius goes and locks the gates so that nothing, no one gets in. Um... And then... And most importantly, no one gets out. Yeah, and most importantly, no one gets out. Um, and then Odysseus starts stringing the bow. And John Cena's theme music bum, starts bum, to play. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dog, dang, that's John Cena's music. Um, <laughs> and then the suitors are all like... I found it telling, actually, that in these two or three pages, the suitors speak with one voice. Um, there's not like... Antinous yelling or Eurymachus yelling. It's Telemachus yelling at his mom, and then the suitors made an uproar, dirty pig man, yada yada yada. Um Odysseus starts doing the bow. The suitors told each other. He stares at it as if he were an expert in bows. <laughs> he acts the <laughs> part. Perhaps he has a bow like this at home or plans to make one. Um 
And so it, it like lumps them all in together, I think, in a way that you've been saying Athena wants us to. Like, it's not just Antinous, the bad guy, being like, oh, this beggar can't handle bows. It's all. Yeah, because because we've we've talked in a previous episode and I don't remember the exact number, but there are a bunch of these guys. Oh, there's like a hundred of them. And even even in the best of not I don't want to say best of times, even when you are even when they're being differentiated the most, you still have Antinous who is bad and then a couple of them who are not as bad. Yes, true. But even like even then, you've got less than half a dozen total named suitors, I think. Yes. Most of if, the time. Yeah, if even that. And and so they are by default just kind of treated as this as this mob. And then right before. Yeah. Like like you said, right before this mass punishment happens, like regardless of how good or bad they have been. They're all lumped together for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I, Emily Wilson has a note in the summary for this chapter that um, or, or in one of the like line notes that an earlier bit there's a little image of some of the slaves might have been the previous book like leading a hundred animals to slaughter to like please apollo or something Mm -hmm. and she makes a note that that's roughly the same number as the suitors that get listed a bunch um which i think is probably on purpose and kind of neat um so odysseus like plays a guitar solo on the bow (laughs) <laughs> um and then like Zeus responds with a thunder solo uh and with like really no ceremony he just like shoots through the axes and is like yo I'm great at bows and there's a sweet closing shot uh where with his eyebrows he signaled and his son strapped on his sword picked up his spear and stood beside his chair next to his father his bronze weapons flashing End of book. Bah, bah, what do you? Bah. What did you see in your head when it said with his eyebrows he signaled? Because I imagine like a just like a waggling of the eyebrow, like eh, eh. I oh you maybe. Go? Well, he still looks like old Odysseus, right? Maybe I mean, he looks like a beggar, but yeah. I I don't know. Once people find out who he is, I don't know if he looks different. I, yeah, I don't know how that works. Know? I don't know how the Athena magic. Like works. I think you, you could probably pick out the the distinguishing characteristics. Once you know to look for them. I don't know. That's my assumption. I think it must be like a fun waggle. Like this is all gone according to plan. And I couldn't have planned that I would like ace this shot in one go. But I'm Odysseus. So I did. Mm -hmm. And now let's kill all these fools. Seems really playful and fun of a waggle. In my the other version, if if it didn't say anything about his eyebrows, I would imagine that there's like a really serious head nod where he just like one, just one like get him and then like telemachus just knifes a guy and then things are like going um these are some fun books it's these are fun books now i think i did not read ahead no but i did see the first two lines of book 22 and i'm not gonna read them on the show but things get going pretty quick after this yeah the next book is called bloodshed and then book 23 is called The Olive Tree Bed. So people going to die. People going to die. I've, it's been foretold several times. People going to die. People going to die. 
Um, we're getting we're getting toward the end. We talked about it at the beginning, but how's it how's it feel to you to be closing in on the end of this boy? It feels good. Uh, I think you know we talked a lot about how there are not as many filler stories. There's not as many like let's go remember a thing or a person, um, which just feels natural as the book draws to a close. You don't really miss it in the moment, um, and you don't you. I don't want to call it filler necessarily no, no. but that is that is sometimes how it how it feels is just is rhetorical flourishing that doesn't forward the story and that sort of thing as the action picks up and rushes toward its conclusion that sort of thing would feel more out of place and more frustrating i think in this section yes. so i think it's a little fitting that it kind of falls away well and, and maybe in these couple books something that we maybe weren't equipped to to unpack when we were in the middle of the book was how all of those stories kind of um, in the explicit action of the Odyssey, they are giving Odysseus credibility with whoever is giving him like shelter. They are, you know, building allies for him. It's Telemachus learning about what happened in Troy. Like there is explicit reasons for those stories, but there's no reason for more stories here. Like he's just got to kill some fools and string his bow. Yeah, we know what he's been through. We know who he is. We know what he's capable of. So now show us yes like don't keep telling us yes um yeah so these uh these suitors are gonna get theirs and uh athena's probably gonna have the last laugh i think that's how she do can't touch this look man can't touch this you better get a hype boy because you know you can't you can't touch this ring the bell school's back in break it down So book 22 is called Bloodshed. That's a fun one. That's and book f- 23 is called The Olive Tree Bed, which sounds like a direct-to-video movie <laughs> about a bunch of Christian school children. <laughs> yeah. My grandma had a lot of those tapes, and we watched <laughs> many of them as children. What is the VHS case equivalent of dog-eared? You know how like a book gets dog-eared? You don't I guess it. Like Maybe the plastic gets all... But like, what's like the it word? It becomes less transparent. I don't know that there's a word. I know what it looks like. I just think, don't think that there's a, maybe there's a word in Greek for it. Maybe one of these days we'll learn it. Yeah, think about it. Um, so books twenty and twenty one, Andrew. Do you have a? Do you remember where we are in our tale? Uh, so Odysseus has revealed himself to Telemachus. Yep. And he's going through the house and he's plotting and planning. Uh-huh. He hasn't told Penelope that he's there yet. He is getting a feel for the suitors. He's decided well ahead of time that they're all going to die. Like there is no, Correct. there is no question of that. But um, he is, he is feeling them out and giving them all a one last chance to just really wrong him and get his dander up before <laughs> uh-huh. he goes ahead and kills all of them. Uh, so this is happening for a while. Then the end of book twenty one, which is called an archery contest, he splits all these axes with a, an arrow. And yep. the suitors say, wow, look at that strong guy. And then then things end because we're about stuff's about to go down. Yeah. The the two other things worth remembering in book 20 is when Odysseus sees some of the slave women like slipping away to have sex with the suitors, presumably. He gets angry about it for a hot second. And then Athena's like, yo, chill. You got bigger fish to fry. Right. 
Um, and then in book 21, Penelope was at the archery contest. And then Telemachus was like, Mom, go upstairs. Just chill out. Telemachus. Go, go cry <laughs> or it, something. He does it again in, in these books. But yes. Telemachus is that he's the Internet kid who's playing <laughs> Xbox and yelling at his mom to get him pizza rolls. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. Uh, and then the book 21 ends with like a sick shot of Telemachus and Odysseus like back to back like ready to fight some and fools. they waggle their eyebrows at each other and some people on twitter.com said it was like the people's eyebrow like that that mm-hmm. the wrestler Dwayne the Rock Johnson used to do correct and maybe still does I don't know if he ever retired that one I think he I think once the people's retired. eyebrow always the people's eyebrow like you it's it belongs to the people you can't take it away yeah he is just a conduit for the people's eyebrows mm-hmm. um <laughs> So book 22 opens and Odysseus is naked. Um, Odysseus ripped off his rags, now naked. He left upon the threshold with his bow and quiver full of arrows, which he tipped out in a rush before his feet and spoke, Playtime is over. I will shoot again towards another mark no man has hit. Apollo, may I manage it. And who does he shoot, Andrew? Antinous. That guy sucks. He's the worst of the suitors. Uh, he aimed his deadly arrow at Antenuous. The young man sat there just about to lift his golden goblet, swirling wine around, ready to drink. He had no thought of death. How could he? Who would think a single man among so many banqueters would dare to risk dark death, however strong he was? Odysseus aimed at his throat, then shot. The point pierced all the way through his soft neck. He flopped down to the side and his cup slipped out of his hand, and then thick streams of blood gushed from his nostrils. His foot twitched and knocked the table down. Food scattered on the ground. The bread and roasted meat were soiled with blood. Um, So all the suitors see that, and they get mad. They don't... They don't piece they, it together right away. No, well, they first they yeah they get mad at the stranger. They say, "Stranger, you shot a man and you will pay." He does. They don't really, they don't get it yet. That I don't even think uh, Wilson in the translation. I don't know if how other translations handle it. It seems to be to me that like for a split second they don't even think that he did it on purpose. Right. right? They they think that maybe he was just playing around. He got really excited. Those poor killed. fools did not know that he had killed Antunas yes. on purpose, nor that the snares of death were around them all. And then literally Odysseus says, now you are trapped inside the snares of death. By me, Odysseus. <laughs> so it's pretty good. The, the, the suitors try to fight back and then they... Well, okay. First, do they say it was all Antinous's fault? That's correct. You got him. Uh huh. Good job. Now let us go. Yep. And he's like, "Nah, I'm gonna kill you." That doesn't play. Yeah. Um. And Eurymachus is like, "No, we're we're all gonna die. Um. So we gotta fight him." And as soon as Eurymachus pulls out a a sword, uh, Odysseus just shoots him in the nipple, and he's dead. Um, apparently if you shoot someone right next to the nipple, it goes right into their liver and they die. Uh, yeah, that's what, uh, that's where the liver is kept <laughs> next to the nipple. Um, Greeks, I, did like... I don't think had a thorough understanding of anatomy, uh, right? It's yeah. Fair enough. I don't know. I don't know how long these arrows are to be honest though. Well, I mean, I guess if it was angled downward sufficiently, it's good to do it some could go CSI through the nipple and then go through the liver. Somebody call Bones. We got to figure out how this happens. Bones doesn't solve liver crimes. Bones solves bone crimes. It's fair. Okay. Um, and while this is happening, Telemachus is like, I'm going to run away and get some armor and weapons for us. 
and we'll have our herdsmen, our cow herd and our swine herd help us out. The good ones. The good ones. They're forming their Final Fantasy party. Mm-hmm. Um, They're going to equip everybody heading out of the village. And as as we covered in previous books, all of the all of the spears and weapons and whatever that had been decorating this room previously had been put away by Telemachus who said, I don't want them to get all dirty and sooty out here, so I'm going to put them away. (laughs) But Uh, what happens is the bad herd, the goat herd Melanthius, has watched him secret these away, and Telemachus didn't shut the door all the way, I guess, and so Melanthius goes in, he swipes some weapons, he equips some of the suitors, but... um, but Telemachus and Odysseus and company find out that, that Melanthius has done this and Odysseus already had a plan as the book informs us, uh, torture him with hours of agony before he dies. Yeah. Like string him up like some beef and just treat him like garbage and let him die. Beef gets treated better in this. That's world, true. Honestly. I was also impressed though, before Melanthius got caught, he did run up there and grab 12 sets of armor and Mm -hmm. spears it's a strong goat herd you need to be very strong to herd goats i reckon it's probably not like full suits of armor because it's ancient greece maybe it's leather or something i don't know yes yeah with some bronze attached Um, it doesn't seem like it helps much no it doesn't no uh athena shows up as mentor um and is just like hey let's have some fun boys um she doesn't like kill anyone no, she, um, what's, I have it pulled up. She did not grant decisive victory. She kept on testing Odysseus's courage and his sons. She flew up like a swallow through the smoke and nestled in the rafters of the roof. So she is, there's a very long passage after this where the suitors and then the heroes each throw spears at each other in turn. And the book is extremely detailed about where each individual spear ends up. Yes. they. It's like a, it's like a. I don't know. I was thinking like advanced wars. Like it's like really like old school. You take a turn. We take a turn. Right. It's turn based combat again with the Final Fantasy thing. Yeah. Even though that had the I don't think this is active time battle. I think this is straight turn based. Yes. Yes. And if your dude Um, dies while and you're still attacking him, you waste your shot. Um, you waste your shot, yeah. But (laughs) Athena is making the suitors spears not hit. I yes, guess. Yes. And then she's helping the hero spears hit each of the suitors. Yeah. And so there's this like cool section where uh, Odysseus and pals all throw their spears. Um, Odysseus killed Demoptolemus. Mm, Just if you didn't look it up, then don't say, don't try to say the names. Well, Talk around it. Uh, Telemachus. Uh, Uriades, the swine herd slaughtered Aletus, and the cow herd killed Pisander. And it's just cool that, like, bang, 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 everybody got one. Just everybody gets a kill. Everyone gets the high five. They yeah, all fell and even, bit the earth. I don't even know how often each of these suitors has been named up until this point. Not at all. Not, yeah. <laughs> but we are getting a very detailed account of how each and every one is killed. And then a couple people don't get killed because Telemachus vouches for them. I think one is like a, a poet and then one was like a teacher or a mentor of Telemachus's. Yeah, it's it's like Maiden and Phemius. Phemius is the poet um and Maiden is the is like the good guy who was good to Telemachus, I mm-hmm. think. Um that that's after we get shots of people literally crawling at 
Odysseus's knees and being like, I didn't do anything. And he's like, well, you yes, you did. <laughs> by not stopping this, you have done wrong. I'm going to cut you apart. Um, and then I'm gonna we get, your, I'm going to cut your whole butt off and then you'll die. <laughs> <laughs> then we get to like the worst part of this. Right. So we've had a lot yeah, of this fun is, this section, here. This section is tough to read. We've had a lot of fun here with Odysseus going, going full John Wick on these dudes. Um, <laughs> and then he is angry about the female slaves who have disrespected him. Um, do you have a passage pulled up? Andrew looks like you do. Yeah. So after the killing is done. Mm-hmm. Odysseus says, "Okay, now, he, well, he has Eurycleia come right and and give him the poop on who the the slave women are who have slept with the suitors or like been unfaithful to the household." Yeah. Oh, I have this. So uh, Eurycleia says, "Child, I will tell you exactly how things stand. In this house, we have fifty female slaves whom we have trained to work, to card the wool, and taught to tolerate their life as slaves. Gross. Twelve stepped away from honor. That's the key phrase." Those 12 girls ignore me and Penelope, our mistress. She would not let Telemachus instruct them since he is young and only just grown up. And then she's like, I'm going to go talk to Penelope. And he says, no, don't do that yet. And then he starts giving instructions. Uh, yeah. So he says, essentially, go get the go tell the, the bad, unfaithful slave women to come and they're going to clean out the entire house. And then once they have cleaned everything up. We will kill them. <laughs> we will cut them up with swords. Sobbing desperately, the girls came weeping, clutching at each other. They carried out the bodies of the dead and piled them up on top of one another under the roof outside. Odysseus instructed them and forced them to continue. And then they cleaned his lovely chairs and tables with wet absorbent sponges while the prince and herdsmen with their shovels scraped away the mess to make the sturdy floor all clean. The girls picked up the trash and took it out. The men created order in the house and set it all to rights, then led the girls outside and trapped them. They could not escape between the courtyard wall and the rotunda. Showing initiative, Telemachus insisted, I refuse to grant these girls a clean death since they poured down shame on me and mother when they lay beside the suitors. All that, he wound a piece of sailor's rope round the rotunda and round the mighty pillar, stretched up so high... Uh, no foot could touch the ground as doves or thrushes spread their wings to fly home to their nests. But someone sets a trap. They crash into a net, a bitter bedtime, just so the girls, their heads all in a row, were strung up with the noose around their necks to make their death an agony. They gasped, feet twitching for a while, but not for long. And then we never speak of them again. Ever again. Okay. That's kind of a bummer. A little bit it, of a bummer. Yeah. I went and I dug up... Um, Wilson has written about this section as a translator a couple of times. She wrote an article for the New Yorker about it, or also considering like Penelope and, and women in the Odyssey in general. Um, but has then written a couple Twitter threads on this. The one that I found really interesting is the um, like reading it as a text and saying like, does like she was at a talk and someone asked, is it right for Odysseus to have done this? And she's like, actually, that's three questions. The first one, is it right? No, it's definitely not right. You just hung a bunch of women who didn't have a choice. Uh-huh. Um, does Odysseus think it's right? Yes. Maybe not for the reasons you think. Uh, Wilson doesn't think it's like a righteous, we're going to kill whores thing. It's a... We are shamed by them. This is disgusting. We 
we are going to kill them in a way that they're not worthy of. Well, in in this whole sequence, killing the suitors, cleaning the house, and then getting rid of these slave women, so to speak. It's all about cleansing the the house of all the stuff that has happened. And so it is like some, some parts of that. Um, feel deserved and some of them don't feel so deserved but yeah it's all it's all part of this this same um the same action that that these men are undertaking and then she says the third question is does the text or does homer think it's right and there isn't really i don't think that there's a clear answer here she would caution people uh perhaps in our shoes from like applying some sort of well in ancient greece they probably did this all the time like right that's not necessarily helpful um but at the same time it's probably not helpful to apply modern morality structures yeah. to it either i don't know but if you're reading it today and what do you want to take from it to me the my main reaction was like who people being hung up and in such a way implies a public display of death that to me is not part of what's going on here, and so that's a that's an open question I have. Right, like they're they're explicitly making it private because, <laughs> I mean, they say this, they say this later. Odysseus says killing people is illegal, basically, or, or it's frowned upon, or whatever it is that it, that that he says. And we've just killed all of Ithaca's like brightest, <laughs> brightest and best They're young best men. Best and brightest. So all... we have to pretend like we're having a wedding, so nobody knows what's going on while we figure out what to do. <laughs> so, like, why did you do this? Why did you do like the public version of death in your private house? I guess to like exert control over the slaves who were quote unquote loyal to you. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels. To me, it feels less public and more of a piece with what they do with with Melanthius, which um, mm. after right after they they do this the hanging of the slave women, uh, the men took Melanthius outside and with curved bronze cut off his nose and ears and ripped away his genitals to feed raw to the dogs. Still full of rage, they chopped his hands and feet off. Then they washed their own and they went back inside. And they didn't kill Melanthius, but you never hear from him again. So he yep. just got none of his none of his extremities anymore and he, mm-hmm. i don't know he's just, he has been left outside to die but they have not killed him and this was not it doesn't seem like it's about a public punishment it, it seems like it's about making sure that that he dies in in agony like it, it goes yes. back to that that thing he said before is like torture him for hours or whatever whatever mm-hmm. it was it's mm-hmm. more about i don't know and, and and making them clean before he kills them too. It seems like it's it's about really letting them stew in, in what he thinks they did, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, there's an interesting just like translation thing that in another thread Wilson points out where when she writes or when she translates it as just so the girls, their heads all in a row were strung up with the noose around their necks to make their death in agony. Uh, there are other older translations most of them by men um that have a beat where like the girls stretched their heads out or the the slave women being hung are given like a verb to like participate in it and she very purposefully put it in passive voice like this was done to them um and she also talks a lot about how the like the whole bird thing is like an image of freedom in this book um, and they are being denied that very explicitly. Um, so yeah, it leaves a real sour taste on Odysseus and Telemachus quote showing initiative here. 
<laughs> not great. Yeah, um, it, it's funny how we've we've been led to anticipate this moment for yeah for the entire for the entire story, and then we finally we we get here, and I don't know that an ancient audience would have like felt bad for any of these people like getting what they you know what the book insists that they have coming to them but i think reading it now and wilson's translation plays this up at least a little bit like it feels like maybe a little like just a little over the top yeah yeah it, and, and not meant to be a an enjoyable over the top but a like let you know over the top right um or do you mean the or do you mean the suitors getting killed? I mean all of it. Like okay. it, it all it and and there is foreshadowing of that in, in earlier books where we've we get some shading in between the suitors, like some are worse than others, but all are fated to die because of the stuff that they did. Yeah, the poet has told and us so, that a bunch. And yeah, and so it's it the punishment is the same no matter what you did or the position you're in or the degree of autonomy that you even have. Yeah, whether yeah, you're yeah, a suitor yeah. or a slave woman, so yeah, it's just it's it doesn't feel as triumphant, I think, to me no. as as it's been set up to be. And that was actually so. Let's go into book twenty three, the olive tree bed. That was a thing I had no recollection of from whenever I almost read this in high school. I remember, I remember the the test. I remember the core, like the the center yes. of the chapter. Yeah, um, but so it. It opens with Eurycleia going to Penelope and being like, "Yo, your your boy's home. All did you hear the? Did you hear all the killing? <laughs> Maybe, uh, which apparently Penelope did not. It's she was unclear. sleeping real good. She slept through it. Um, and she's like, "Nah, my my husband's not home. You must be crazy. You we'll go down and talk to whoever killed all those suitors and like thank them. I guess." Well, and they do they do a couple cycles of this, right? As your yeah. says, Odysseus is home, and she says, "No, he's not. You're old." <laughs> and then your says, "No, really, Odysseus is home." And she's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he's home." Like, Wait, is he home? No, he's not home. <laughs> yeah, and she goes down there, and she like looks at him, and she just doesn't really believe it. I guess. Well, because he's not. He is not. One, he's not dressed the part. That's true. Because he's covered in blood. and he's, Well, I don't even know if he's color, covered in blood anymore, but he's like wearing rags again. Sure, sure. Um, and then also she, after after they, after she is sure that it is him, she says, you know, it, one of the things that started the Trojan War, like the, the thing with Helen was that she was kind of duped. Oh, that's true. And that's true. I've been wary of being duped in a similar way this whole time. Yeah. Um, before she, I think before she says that, we get another moment of crappy Telemachus where he's like, Mom, why are you being such a jerk to dad? Mother, cruel, heartless mother, why are you doing this rejecting father? Why do you not go over, sit beside him and talk to him? No woman in the world would be so obstinate to keep your distance from him when he has come back after 20 long years of suffering. Your heart is always harder than rock. Yeah. and Just then... a real Walter Jr. vibe from <laughs> Telemachus in this moment. Mom, why don't you get dad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is. There's a whole like I was thinking of Breaking Bad here, especially when I when I was talking a little bit with about the hanging of the slave women and the like. Our protagonist does a reprehensible thing. Are we as an audience emotionally intelligent enough to know 
that it is not a virtuous a cool thing. Like it's yeah. not a thing that we're supposed to be rooting for anymore. Yeah. 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 Um, and so she goes through that thing. She does say, and uh, what does she say when she's talking about how she's going to know that it is him? Um, we have our ways to recognize each other through secret signs known only to us two. Mm-hmm. Hubba hubba. <laughs> <laughs> And you would think this would be about like birthmarks or something, but no, it's a weird story about whether a bed can be moved uh, or yeah, not. That's true. Um, <laughs> Tell me about the olive tree bed. Yeah. So after he lays out the whole, like, we got to run into the woods and come up with a plan. I killed all the best and brightest. Also, I need to steal some sheep, I guess, because they ate all my sheep. Um, and he, Athena pours hotness all over him like she does. Right, I have um, that. Uh, then Athena poured attractiveness from head to toe and made him taller and stronger, and his hair grew thick and curly as a hyacinth, as when a craftsman who, whom Athena or Hephaestus has trained in metalwork so he can make beautiful artifacts pours gold on silver, so she poured beauty on his head and shoulders. After his bath, he looked like an immortal. And Penelope's like, wow, you look, you looked like this the day your long oars sailed away from Ithaca. Yep, your long oars. Um, and she says, now you're Clea, make the bed for him outside the room he built himself, pull out the bedstead and spread quilts and blankets on it. And Odysseus flips out. Who moved my bed? It would be difficult for even a master craftsman, though a god could do it with ease. Always, you gotta say in this world, when you say something is very difficult, you always have to say, but like Zeus could do it. Just in right. case it's, Zeus it's is not listening. impossible, just in case you're talking to a god and you don't want to offend him. Yes. So touchy, these gods. Um, and then he goes into details about in the court of his castle, there was an olive tree um, that he used. He built his room around it. I packed stones together and fixed a roof and fitted doors. At last, I trimmed the olive tree and used my bronze to cut the branches off from root to tip and planed it down and skillfully transformed the trunk into a bedpost. With a drill, I bored right through it. This was my first bedpost. Then I made the other three inlaid with gold and silver and with ivory. Um, this is sort of when you're building a, a Minecraft base and you decide to try and work the natural <laughs> landscape into the architecture of the house that you're building. Yes. So, like, she is basically testing him with does he know that the bed can't be moved without cutting this tree down? Um, and he does, and she's like, oh yeah, cool. I knew it was you. <laughs> good, good. There are to- only two people who know that and it's <laughs> us. And then well, actually also a slave. Person. Yeah. Probably the slaves who have kept her bed and made it yeah. look nice the whole time. Um, and this is, uh, another thing that Wilson has written about. She wrote about in the New Yorker that like, they're both intelligent and clever, but like Odysseus's cleverness gets to carry him across the globe and like get him out of scrapes, but also result in the deaths of a bunch of people. And Penelope's cleverness is like, can she keep herself from getting married to jerks? And can can she like protect the household or, or whatever, or yeah. like stay faithful to her man for long enough that yeah. you can make it home? She she says that um, the standard epithet in the Greek for uh, Penelope is paraphon, which like means circumspect, which suggests that her intelligence is about like risk aversion, where I think his is like supposed to be more powerful or it's something. It's about risk, like encouragement, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> risk embracement. Um, and then 
Uh, I think she says to him, now you have told the story of our bed, which is a great phrase, which I love. Uh-huh. Um, Going to start saying that. Yep. Uh, and <laughs> You know it. <laughs> hey. Uh, and I think he tells her that he has to, he learned in Hades that he has to go on a trip to where people don't know what boats are. Is that what it is? Yeah. So do you remember when he, when he did go down to Hades to talk to his mom and whatever he did, one of the things he went down there to ask is how do I end this thing? And the advice that he got was specifically about, you know, you have to, you have to sacrifice this and this, you have to do this and this thing. Like you have to get home first, but then you need to do this extra stuff to fully mollify the gods and make sure that you die old at home and not at sea. And she's like, cool, cool, cool. Tight, tight, tight. Um, and there's a nice little line here. I like, I, I'm always struck when the translation encourages like short sentences. So Penelope responds, um, if the gods allow you to reach old age and comfort, there is hope that there will be an end to all our troubles. Line break. They talked like this. Meanwhile, the slaves are working and it moves on. And there's just like a little wonderful snapshot of a scene in those four words uh, before we move on to a whole bunch of other stuff happening. Uh, and then he gives her like the Reader's Digest version of the book we all just read. <laughs> he does. He tells her about everything, and he doesn't. He, I was, I was interested because I, I mean, I don't, I don't have it pulled up right, right. This, the exact quote I'm thinking of, but um, he like tells her of Calypso who he hurt. Basically, oh, yes, is yes. that the that's the wording? Um, and when the couple had enjoyed their lovemaking nice, they shared another pleasure telling stories. She told him how she suffered as she watched the crowd of suitors running that, ruining the house, killing so many herds of sheep and cattle and drinking so much wine because of her. Odysseus told her how much he hurt so many other people and in turn how much he had endured himself. Mm. Yeah, that so is a cool maybe way to a small it. admission of guilt or some some admission yeah. that because because throughout the book it really seems like he's been downplaying how his decisions have <laughs> uh-huh. negatively in- affected all of the boats full of boys that he lost well most of the people he's been telling stories to have had something to give him in return for a cool story right so he can't be like hey i am odysseus destroyer of worlds uh like give me some food and send me on my way debate me yeah yeah um <laughs> convince me um he does tell her he told her how calypso trapped him there inside her hollow cave and wanted him to be her husband she took care of him and promised she could set him free from death in time forever but she never swayed his heart which is one way to say i had sex with a lady on an island a bunch but i didn't I never, like it i didn't like it <laughs> uh which we talked to we talked about a couple episodes ago yeah um and then it ends with him being like i'm gonna go out in the woods and see my dad and steal some sheep Cool? You cool about bye. that? Like, bye, I guess. Your orders, wife, though you are smart enough to need no orders, are go with your slaves upstairs, sit quietly, and do not talk to anyone. Don't talk to the cops. Don't talk to the press. <laughs> it's unclear if there are cops. I don't think there are. There I are the gods. There are necessarily cops. I just think it's maybe it's just mob rule. You just get stoned to death. Yeah, it's really unclear what the full ramifications of what has transpired here today. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't help that timeline wise. We are all over the place. We've talked about yeah, that in reference true. to tools and stuff too, but it also 
keeps us from really knowing what the the structure of society would have been. Like I would assume that because he is king of Ithaca and he has come home, he can just pardon himself, self-pardoning. Yeah, kind of makes me think. I mean, I get he's clever Odysseus, master of lies or whatever, that he would like come in and do a scheme. But if he really was the king, couldn't he just like show up and just be like, you're kinged and they have to leave? I could see why he would kill the suitors. Well, but yeah, I think he could beat the he could beat the rap on killing all these suitors by saying really could. by claiming executive privilege or whatever. Though I guess it's not like we're but we're not at divine right of kings at this point. I don't think. Well, I mean, he does have some gods on his side, but they're not helping that much. No, they, they are, are not. steering some spears and pouring sexy potion all over him but yeah. they're not they're not winning the war for him true true there wasn't too much aside from athena and that one or two lines that i referenced earlier there wasn't too much like yo beware the gods in this um, i think it's kind of implied i don't know it th- seems yeah like this a is lot that of, coming home to roost right a lot of the action well like actions that penelope took and, and actions that others have taken the worry about accidentally running into a god is there kind of governing the things that people are doing but sure you don't get a lot of actually that or like athena appears as as mentor and the suitors decide to threaten her yes and, and say a- basically if you if you side with him then you're donezo and i think there's even a little like nugget of odysseus winking at athena being like oh yeah it's probably athena i right? know it's athena yeah <laughs> i know it's, it's you. not just mentor showing up in here out of nowhere yeah like he just like walked out of the here, wall mentor? yeah after they locked the gates and everything yeah it's totally athena um, he was in the bathroom and he just came out and <laughs> hey what's he's all here. this noise who won the archery contest what's all the guys? hubbub <laughs> Did Antinous do the thing yet? Oh, no, he's dead, huh? Oh, boy, he saw he's right in his soft neck, huh? Really? He was swirling wine when he got shot in the neck? What a villain. What a knave. He was he, caressing a long-haired white cat. And just as he swiveled his chair around <laughs> to threaten Inspector Gadget, the arrow went through his soft neck. Um, I don't really... I have no idea what this next chapter is going to be, Andrew. I have no recollection of what this chapter coming up. Could yeah, it's very. It, there's a bit of denouement. I think that I'm not sure if we see all of his final journey to to finish mollifying the gods, but I think part, at least part of that is in here. Um, okay. Anything else, I don't really recall. Is it but like I a, bet? I bet we get a, a bit about how he gets around being blamed or punished for all these murders he oh did. sure yeah, yeah i bet um i just want to know if we're gonna get like an animal house ending like like odysseus and penelope are still happily married yeah to this day telemachus is running a dunkin donuts <laughs> eumaeus got a degree and you know went away mm-hmm. he, you know he put in his time at community college and got out mm-hmm. um Somebody started a band, probably. Eurycleia is dead. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but not because she got killed because of old age. Yeah, just, yeah, nice stuff. Yeah. Um, that about does it for this episode, I think. I reckon so. Um, if you uh, are listening to this and want to leave us any comments, you can shoot us an email at overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at overduepod. Um Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? 
uh, they should go to overduepodcast.com, which is our internet website. Up there, we have links to iTunes and RSS and Google Play, and it's good. Yep. Thanks um, to all of our Patreon supporters who have made this project possible. Patreon.com slash overduepod. Find out yeah, more. Yeah. What do we say at the end of every episode of Stop Homer Time, Andrew? Now you have told the story of our bed. <laughs> <laughs>